Welcome back to The Cypher with me, Christabel Nsiabwadi. This is a show where I speak with Black creators worldwide who are using their creativity to shift narratives about global Black cultures. On this show, we'll discover their personal stories and what inspired them to lean into their roots, often despite being told not to, so they could create space for all of us. On today's show, I'm passing the mic to Dana Anderson Mponzi. She's an award-nominated filmmaker, social entrepreneur and author. Stay tuned. How can you create visual content that gets to the heart of issues that affect people from the global black diaspora? Award-nominated filmmaker Dana Anderson and Ponzi has done just that with her documentary series, Black. Apart from her visual creativity, she's a presenter, author, social entrepreneur, and more importantly, a black woman creating opportunities for change through expression of media. Her TV production credits include Big Brother in the UK and many of Britain's best-known daytime favourites. She's continued with her own exploits, breaking barriers in representation, mentorship and visual creativity. She founded Open Lens Media, a youth development organisation and her production company, Open Lens Productions, creates visually powerful video and film. Her online talk show, The Social Corner, gathers successful people from across the spectrum to discuss their thoughts on contemporary issues. Dana Anderson and Ponzi. Thank you so much for joining me on The Cypher. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. That was an amazing intro. (laughs) So you are a filmmaker. You've worked in TV. You are a mentor. um, And you are really about not just we talk about representation and diversifying. um, And that's Mm. certainly what you do. But and I mentioned this in in the intro, you have this documentary, a two-parter called Black. Yeah, It feels to me that in your bid to um, diversify the industry, you're really peeling back the layers and showing people who we are. I see a lot of vulnerability in the work that you do. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Black, you've mentioned, um, I released that in 2018 and it was it was a moment of sheer vulnerability for myself um so it is a two-part documentary series I have kind of said I'll keep going with it but I haven't got around to episode three yet (laughs) but um it was created off the back of my own experiences so when I hit 25 I went through what I call my twid life crisis Mm -hmm. and it was very much where am I going? What am I doing? Who am I? You know, I had a a bit of an identity crisis at that point. Um, Even though I'd kind of followed my my dreams and my passions, I was really trying to understand how I fit into not just the aesthetic of what it is to be British, but um, the fabric of, of this country and how does my cultural upbringing and understanding contribute to that? And and how do I take up space in mainstream without forgetting who I am? Um, because it had felt like my journey through media till that point was very much um, censored. Hmm. Just being very honest, you know, I felt very censored, aware of my blackness, having to shrink it in some rooms, expand it in others, and and working in television 
at that point, nobody was using the word diversity or anything like that. So I was part of a machine that was generating stereotypes. And for me, that was quite soul destroying because it was like, this is not who we are. These aren't the people that I grew up with or understand um, culturally. So I went through that at 25 and, you know, a number of other things happened. And so that just led me into a place of depression. Mm. But what that did was just me being me caused me to answer, ask, uh, sorry, a few questions. And one of them was, why am I here? Mm. (laughs) Why am I in this, this space? And a lot of it was to do with trying to keep up this mask of being this strong black woman whatever that was um you know and I started to question like where did this come from like who came up with this idea that black women are so one-dimensional that we don't have any feelings we're not we know we can't be humanized in that way um and so that left that thought with me and I always kind of would reflect back on it but I didn't go into it but around about 2018 I felt like I really wanted to explore the multiple identities of black women, you know, um, <clears throat> and how we categorize ourselves or how we identify ourselves um, with regards to how we see ourselves. And the question that was really at the core of all of that was, can we really self-actualize? Can we really be all that we're created to be in an oppressive society? Mm. And if we can, how do we how do we do that? So I travelled the country interviewing a number of women and what they felt the term strong meant. And, you know, what I thought was going to happen didn't happen. You know, the women completely redefined that. But alongside that, it made me think about the black man. So, you know, there is a term that we use so often or I used to hear so often saying man up, you know, you've got to man up. And it was like, well, what is that? What does it mean to man up? The main man in the film, um, Manor, he, you know, his identity, somebody, so he was someone that I'd been aware of for a while and had seen a transition from him being, you know, involved in a certain way of life to moving through his masculinity, um, had moved through a number of stages. And I wanted to explore that with a number of men and also, you know, from different faith backgrounds and and no faith at all um, and understanding how they identified their masculinity um, with regards to being a black man in society. And so that film explored um, a part of the black male identity. I'm not saying it was the full scope of it because there's so much more that, you know, you could go into. But um, yeah, so that's how that series came together. I feel like I should, you, you said so much. Just for the audience, give us a, a, a sense of, a synopsis of what the documentary is about. Because you've given us the, the deep dive. Um, okay. What is it about? What What is Black about? Black is a documentary series that investigates, or I should say shines a light on, the nuances of the Black culture and Black identity um, and the things that affect us as a black community. Um, That's not us in a homogenous sense, but looking at how our our blackness is intersectional and affected by different things. So in the first two episodes, I explore parts of the male and female identity, how how black males and black females see themselves. 
And then I think if I was to expand on the series, you know, it'd be looking at black, black education, you know, black um, childhood. There's so much thing. There's so many parts of the identity that I can kind of go into. But black itself is about the exploration of what it is. What what does it mean to be black? <laughs> We got a lot into this conversation. Keep listening. What inspired you? Music. (laughs) (laughs) I've grown up and I remember my parents were, um, you know, older generation, Jamaican, Caribbean. And it was like you don't you don't watch certain um, channels and things like that. So when they're at the house, I would be I would turn it on to um, the box yeah. music television. You yes. control, yes. And that was kind of those were kind of my secondary um, secondary experiences with hip hop and rap and music from across the seas. Because my brothers and sisters were, you know, they had all the vinyls and they were interested, like into all that funk master flex, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I was growing up and I was seeing people like Most Def coming on TV, um, Biggie Smalls, Tupac, that was kind of my era. I was just like, wow, this is me. This is me all day long. And so I was very much into music television and then MTV bass started and there was this beautiful black woman who presented the show and her name is June Sarpong and I remember watching I'd watch her and I'd be like wow the fact her dark skin her cool complexion she had these big juicy lips and I was like didn't people used to call her Juicy June Juicy June yeah and she had these beautiful full lips yeah had she still does (laughs) She is amazing. And she used to present with um, Richard Blackwood at the time. And I just used to watch them like, wow, like, how did they get there kind of thing? They, I forgot what the show was called, but um, that's where it started for me to think, could I do this? And I'd already been, I had a, a love of English anyway, English language and stuff like that. And I'd always done really well in those kind of subjects at school and college, etc. So it felt like a natural extension So university, I studied media and then beyond that, I took a launch into television. How easy or how hard was it? It wasn't easy, no. But I think um, I remember the year Channel 4 were doing a kind of diversity scheme Mm. and they um, it was a researchers researchers training program that they had just launched for the first time. And um, thousands of people applied and I applied um just on the whim I had nothing to lose so I think I just threw everything I had into the application form um and they called me for an interview and you know I had to go through a process I think I had about three interviews in total and I got one of 10 positions internships that year what surprised me was the only person from outside of London and I was the only black person mm. on that. So it was very diverse. There were people from, you know, all different cultures and walks of, of life. But I was the only black person. I was the only person outside of London. So that kind of said to me, this is kind of rigged up one way. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? So, And of the whole 
um, cohort, I was the only one that kind of had to uproot my life because I had to leave Birmingham, come to London, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't easy because then I was launched into a, a world that was just totally nothing like I knew back home. Um, you know, very white, very middle class. Um, I remember getting stuck in an elevator with our HR manager and we were talking about what we've been doing on the weekend. And, you know, I told told her about my drunken escapades and she told me about her grand piano. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, okay. very different. <laughs> um so yeah, that was kind of like I could see, you know, it was very, it was a, it was a, an eye-opening experience for me. But that's where it all started, and and I continued my career from there. What was that struggle like? <laughs> the struggle, it was real. Like I was definitely a quota, you know, mm. um, especially at that time. Um, I remember actually when we when that scheme was opened, there was a lot of backlash about why you let. Why do we need it? Quota. Why do we need this? You know, what about all these? What about all the talented white people? And it was, you know, at that stage, it was like, what? <laughs> like, how do you answer this? Um, and I, I think wanna, I want to with- sorry, I want to jump in. But how did that make you feel? You're hearing all of this swirling around you while you're just trying to you're trying to yeah. to, to live your live a dream and to to get your foot on 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 there. So you know, like you're hearing all of these naysayers mm. essentially say, well, "What about all the talented people? They're taking a spot." How did that make you feel? It's yeah, another good question. Um, at the time, because I'm a lot different now to what I was then, but at the time, I think I felt like I had to show this immense amount of gratitude for being there. Um, And also um, there was a couple of things. So this huge gratitude, always like, hi, thanks for having me in the room type thing. Um, There was the censorship of the blackness. So, you know, you know, just just be mindful of that. But also um, a little bit tokenistic, you know, you look around the office, there's probably... It's sad to say a lot of the other black people I see were either cleaning the the um the offices or you know there were one or two maybe in accounting or something like that. And you know, you 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 do the nod. It was definitely this, I have to show my gratitude. It was difficult because I didn't feel like my there wasn't actually a place for my ideas. So it was it was we want you here because we need to do this, but we just want you to do your job well. We're not looking to be diverse in any other way it's just that we need to say that we've we've done this um to be fair to channel four i think they were the first to do that because i didn't see any other programs like that. so they've always kind of been ahead in that way but um yeah when once i got into the actual production company yeah that, that's the experience was a, a lot different which production company is this what do you mean so I worked with Endemol. Yes. So what Channel 4 did, what the scheme did was they would train me and then the, obviously they placed me in a production company. So I worked with Endemol to start with. Mm. And Endemol's massive, it's Endemol Shine now, but it was a massive company. And I had a very good time there. I worked with some really great people and I'm still friends with some. However, the industry on a whole, what I saw was, um, there was still that tokenistic feeling like yeah. I, we've got you in the room yeah. for this reason. Um, and that was that.
do you create a space to empower young people and own and develop your own creativity? Dig deeper with filmmaker and social entrepreneur, Dana Anderson. Let's talk a bit more about that in terms of the self-actualization in a society that is very white. And I, when I say very white, I really actually mean media in terms of what's presented in the UK. It's still very white, but it's just that the yeah. black people that are on TV are light-skinned black and also dark-skinned black. Yeah, you're totally right. It's actually <clears throat> a really key point because part of me wanting to explore that was because of my me being a dark-skinned black woman. Um, growing up, as I said, in the 90s, the shows that came over or had any black representation were from America. Mm -hmm. So you had um, Sister Sister, which was two mixed-race um, girls, but, you know, the, the black family. Um, I think the only thing I remember seeing where the, the lead was dark-skinned was um, Moesha, mm -hmm. you know. But, again, it's all American culture, so the jokes and everything are all tied to the States. In the UK, there wasn't any of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I and also... I've always felt like whenever there's the black representation, they would bring a mixed race person up front mm -hmm. um, because I suppose that's more palatable for the European audiences. Now, nothing to do with the mixed race person, but actually that person can't speak to my experience necessarily the same way I can't speak to theirs. Um, so when I talked about self-actualization, it was like me. Okay, what do people like me have to do to self-actualize? What do I have to do to self-actualize? To, to know, because I've got all these gifts and talents inside of me. I'm not trying to scale them down because I don't fit your picture, your aesthetic. So what does that mean? Do I stay in this industry um, and stay in this machine that is saying you're good, but we can't have you there? Or do I take what I've learned from this thing and build what I have my own, shine a light back on it and say, this is a load of rubbish, you know, <laughs> um, and that's the second, the, the latter, that's what's happened. So um, I don't know if it was intentional, but it was definitely my path. That was what I had to do. And I remember um, being, when I'd left uh, London, came back to Birmingham and I was working for another broadcaster and I'd always wanted to do documentaries, but um, they were like, well, you know, uh, this isn't, you know, they, they basically they. I saw how I was treated in comparison to my colleagues, and mm. it was very different. Um, and I just thought, uh, enough. Yeah, I've had enough of this. So <laughs> then, which brings us yeah. to open lens, right? Open <clears throat> lens media and open <clears throat> lens productions, right? That's essentially yeah. the sound, that's that's the basis of why you you did that. Um, yeah. Let's talk about your we'll go back to how you are shifting those perspectives because I want people to hear about that. But part of that starts yeah. with the mentorship, right? The mentorship that you yeah. didn't get. <laughs> I didn't get, you, yeah. Right? Like how are you, let's talk about how you're supporting and mentoring people. What inspired you to do that? Um, well, yeah, we were going back to when I was in London then, um, I remember signing up for a BBC mentoring scheme and um, they paired me up with this young girl. She was from inner city London and she um, she was not doing well in school. She just couldn't see the point. Working class family. And I would see her. I would go and see her every week. And she would not talk to me. Mm. So we would just sit there in silence. 
And then eventually, I was about to ask you the question, but you were about to tell me, but that's just my reaction. Like, why would she talk to you? <laughs> she, was talk- she was just like, because, you know, she, she saw me as, a, I suppose, a figure of authority and she's already not engaging with school. So she's like, why does this woman keep coming to school? And I think after like the third or fourth week, she was like, she just said, why are you here? <laughs> and I, you know, <laughs> we um, had a conversation and it was like, she started to realize that actually I had a lot more in common with her than she thought. Um, and she was like, well, how did you get to where you are? Cause she, you know, obviously I was working in TV and stuff at that time. And I was explaining that education was my route. Um, and then she just perked up. She'd come to set with me sometimes like studio and I'm she started to, I'm, I'm going to pause you there. You said a lot more in common. We had a lot more in common yeah. than she thought. And then you said working class. Is there another identifier that you're missing there that's helping to help us connect? Was she, I assume she was white? She was white. She was a white yeah. girl. So that's what you mean. So you initially thought it was a, oh, she ain't trying to talk to me, but she realized that you had a lot yeah. more in common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a key part of the story because somebody else asked me that recently. And I said, um, what I think people don't really absorb is that as a black person, as any person of color, you have to integrate into society. And we are very much more aware of our white counterparts than they are of, of, of us. So me connecting with a young white girl is not of any surprise to me or anyone of you know of, of my, my peers, because actually the mentorship is done on a humanistic level. Correct. Not a black and a white thing. Say that one um, more time for the people in the back, please. Say that one more time for the people in the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so she, we connected, we bonded, and you know, she, 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 she. I suppose she stamped and sealed that in my mind that actually mentorship starts from a person-centered approach. Um, the colour and race and that kind of thing comes into it when we're dealing with the environment and that, you know, those are the outer um, factors that actually affect the person, the centre of the person. So um, that's what planted the seed. So when I fast forward now, started my social enterprise, Open Lens Media, um, the mentorship part of it was very much, it wasn't just about mentoring black children or anything like that. It was about mentoring disadvantaged young people um, because culturally they were living in the same environment, et cetera, et cetera. The certain factors are affecting, you know, if you live in poverty, you're poor, black or white, you're poor. You know what I'm saying? So it might affect you. Your opportunities might be different based on the color of your skin, but certain things are the same. And so I think from me taking that approach, what it's allowed my organisation to do is be built on this ethos of um, it's open. It's open to everybody. Um, And because of that, we have a a very wide spectrum of people that we work with and the mentorship that is is person is remains person centred. So we look at what's what's the person going through? that might be to do with their their colour, that might be to do with their sexuality, that might be to do with a number of things, but it's the person that we look at first and foremost and build the plan from there. It really puts the, the, your title in, in a completely different perspective, open lens. And you said, I was like, I, yeah. I got it, like open, open view, be open hearted and open minded as well. So who do you work yeah. with? 
So Open Lens, we work with young people between the ages of 16 to 35 primarily, but we're now starting to work with um, older adults as well. Um, initially, it was just about the creative arts and, and getting people to use media as a way to express themselves, but it's evolved and as such has become about um, personal progression and employability, mm. as well as creative skills development. So the three strands of what we do are one, channeling people from, I suppose, less advantaged place areas into the industry to, to help the diversity factor. Mm. Um, two, um, dealing with the, the large levels of unemployment, but using media as the engagement tool. So production wise, there are massive, I mean, you know, transferable skills in just interviewing a person is is massive and people don't necessarily realize that but when you're in a fun environment it's technical technical based and that kind of thing you are switching on skills that you hadn't even thought about so we use that approach in what we call hidden learning um to bring out some of the the inner skills of those those people and help them move into employment training or education yeah so then yeah. how does that um, how does that tie with the with the production company then the production company, um, that is the, you know, the additional arm, the production company. So Open Lens Media, our motto is um, opening the lens on the youth perspective. So it's very much, you know, looking into uh, how the how young people see the world that they live in. The production side, again, we hire those that we train. So a lot of the people that I work with on my production team have, may have started off as a, you know, a trainee at some point 10 years ago or whatever else. And now they're like my assistant camera person or something like that. Or, um, but, but what the production company focuses on is dynamic social video and film um, that focuses on certain issues. Um, so we do campaigns, documentaries, etc. cetera. Um, but it, it's kind of an extension of our, our ethos of, of really working with the community and, in the community and for the community. Mm -hmm. Who are some of your clients? uh, Well, my latest client would be Spotify, (laughs) but we've done some um, amazing things with the NHS. um, National Health Service for people outside of the UK. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, National Health Service and the BBC. We've done a lot of local grassroots campaigns, um, mental health services, so MIND, um the charity which is a big huge charity national charity in the uk um that works with um people with mental health issues um the list goes on to be honest i'd have to go and and, that's fantastic that's fantastic how many how many uh, people on your staff or how many people have you hired or so i employ a team of seven Mm -hmm. um at the present moment no sorry five at the present moment and then we have an additional team of five freelancers. So there's about 10 of us in total. I started the company in 2011 was our first project. In 2013, we got officially incorporated. So it's been going for about nine years. Incredible. What's that journey been like? I know we're running hard. out of time, but I have to ask. I'm sure it's hard. That's, whole, that's a whole other conversation. And I hope that we'll, we'll get you back on. But Dana, what's next for you? Next for me is I'm finally the company's in a position where I can hand it over. So what? I am, <laughs> yeah, so very blessed to be able to do that. So I'm currently um, just so solidifying the infrastructure in the business and handing over so that I can um, pursue my other endeavours and building the production company and 
also I launched a talk show last year and we want to bring that to the masses. So um, I'm working on seeing uh, getting that commission somehow. So, yeah. I'm speaking to a strong, vulnerable, talented <laughs> woman, <laughs> Dana <laughs> Anderson Mponzi. She Thank is you. the founder of um, Open Lens Productions and Open Lens Media. You're a mentor. You are a businesswoman. You are a change maker. It's true. She's put, she's pulling a very funny face here, but it's all very, very true. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the Cypher. This is a really, really enjoyable and enlightening conversation for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Dana Anderson and Ponzi. Listen to The Cypher wherever you tune into your favourite podcasts. Follow Dana Anderson in Ponzi on Instagram at Dana, that's D-A-I-N-A, Anderson, and on Twitter at Dana, D-A-I-N-A, underscore Anderson. And please like and subscribe to The Cypher Podcast and tell all of your homies to do the same. And don't forget to sign up for the Cypher newsletter. There you'll discover more great podcasts from Africa and the diaspora. You'll also get to find out a little bit more about my team. Our website is www.thecipherpod.com. Mo Poplar edited the show. And Christabel Insiabwadi, that's me, executive produced and hosted the show with support from my production assistant, Aviana Kimani. Thank you so much for joining me and we'll see you next time. The Cypher is a My Lens Media production.